Welcome to Onside, the official podcast from the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority. Our mission is to protect the health of athletes and the integrity of Australian sport. Hello and welcome to Onside. I'm Tim Gable and today we've been joined by Dr Susan White, the Chair of the Australian Sports Drug Medical Advisory Committee, ASMAC, which operates as the Australian Therapeutic Use Exemption Committee, effectively providing advice on TUEs. And Dr White this year celebrated 20 years on ASMAC and she's on the line right now. Hello, Dr White, and I guess it's a 20 years, long time, and there have been plenty of changes. Yes, there has. It's, uh, it's certainly um, evolved as a, as a process, as a therapeutic use process in the time that I've been there. Uh, having first started um, 20 years ago when the very first TUE committee in Australia was formed. Yes, looking back, looking back at 1999 when you were the inaugural member, I, I guess at the time it was very much you know, having a look and, and seeing where it would go. It's obviously evolved a, a fair bit, as you've just mentioned. Uh, yes, it has. And interestingly, uh, ASMAC was the first, probably the first uh, recognised TUE committee um, in the world. At that time, there was WADA didn't exist. There was no, so there was no WADA TUE expert group. There was a similar group uh, operating in uh, Scandinavia. Uh, but ASMAC was probably the first official TUE committee. Before that, they called them medical exemptions and there was no formal process for them. Now that it has been formalised, are you noticing that more and more people are, are inquiring to see whether or not they are eligible for TUEs? Uh, well, yes, they are. And one of the reasons for that is that it's, it's become much more formalised over time with WADA coming into existence and writing rules around a lot of things, including what a TUE is, a therapeutic use exemption, uh, to be able to use a prohibited substance if you have a medical condition. And so there's lots of rules around how you can get one, how you should, how we as a committee should assess it, um, and there's a lot more structure. And because of that, um, it covers the whole world now, um, and we hope that um, all athletes that need one now understand how they go about getting one, certainly in Australia. Can you just explain the process and what your committee does once the process has been submitted to your organisation, to your committee? So the way the process works is that an athlete who is um, part of a sport that um, has a drug testing program uh, should always check whatever medication they're taking uh, before they take it and check to see if it's prohibited by WADA. And if it is prohibited by WADA and there isn't an alternative, a reasonable alternative, then they will need to apply to get a TUE. And that involves filling in a form, but that's just the beginning. They need to provide quite extensive medical records, letters from doctors, copies of medical reports, uh, copies from hospital admissions, so that the group of doctors that then assess this application can be very clear that the diagnosis is correct and the treatment is reasonable. And we have to then assess all of this information against four, four criteria that WADA set down that are uh, the absolute requirements around getting a TUE. Yes, I guess uh, one of the key ones is that the medical condition and the drug that 
uh, is needed to um, help that medical condition doesn't produce any performance-enhancing effects. So I guess that is one of the keys, isn't it? Uh, yes, and in fact, the four criteria are that there has to be a proven medical condition, um, that there has to be no extra performance enhancement other than returning that person to normal health, and that's sometimes difficult to assess. Uh, and number three, that there's no permitted alternative, so there's not a similar drug that does similar things that isn't on the list. Um, and fourthly, it's an unusual situation, but that they're not requiring this medication because they'd previously taken a prohibited substance. And the one case that generally applies to is when there's been an abuse of anabolic steroids, men uh, often have problems with fertility and conceiving, and there's another prohibited substance which helps the production of sperm, and sometimes we get TW requests for that. Um, but if it's as a result of having previously abused anabolic steroids, then we can't approve that. How many would you approve on average and how many would you knock back? Uh, we would approve uh, two to 300 a year. We only reject a few each a year and that's because we go back and ask for more information if we're not satisfied. Uh, and sometimes if they realise there isn't enough information, they uh, may not proceed with the application or they may their doctors may choose to use a different medication. Uh, so, And also I think athletes are, are so well educated around what they need to do that by the time we get to look at these applications, they're, they're fairly well done and we don't need to reject too often. Yeah, I guess conditions that readily come to mind, ADHD, diabetics, chest infections uh, with the use of uh, prednisolone, there are some pretty common ones there, aren't there? Yeah, there certainly are and probably the two most common ones, as you said, are ADHD. It's quite a prominent condition, particularly in, in young people and uh, it's a drug that is prohibited, so that is one that we do see quite a lot of applications for. Uh, prednisolone is a strong anti-inflammatory medication and it's used in a lot of medical conditions including asthma, inflammatory bowel uh, and um, rheumatoid arthritis and we do see athletes with rheumatoid arthritis and they that is probably the other most common one that we see. You've been on the committee now for 20 years, you're the chair, you obviously still find it quite interesting having been on this committee for, for so long now. It is it, it is an interesting uh, position. Uh, we it, it's an excellent group of doctors, and we do get to um, discuss um, some, certainly some interesting cases. But I think we all enjoy helping our colleagues um, when they have to make decisions around the drugs for their athletes. We enjoy helping athletes, and all of us are still have an involvement in sport. Everyone on the committee still has a, a role in treating athletes in their own right, which I think is really important because we still have that understanding of what happens on the ground. And at times I still have, in my own practice, have a, I had an athlete come in to me the other day and say that they had looked up the drug that they were on and they needed a TUE and could I help them fill out the application form. Uh, and uh, it's very good to see both sides of it because you understand the process from the beginning to the end. Yes, because you, you have been the team doctor with the Olympic team, the Paralympics. You've had a long career as a sports physician, so you've, you've been on both sides of the fence, haven't you? 
I certainly have, and I think that that that's been that's been a really good part of it because you do understand and you can also understand the difficulties that can arise and the emergencies that happen sometimes and some of the drugs that are used in emergencies and we do have those particularly when we're overseas with teams and they need TUEs and there is a process that you can apply after the fact. We certainly don't want someone worrying about resuscitating an acutely unwell athlete and thinking perhaps I need to stop now and get a TUE. We certainly advise them not to do that uh, and to treat the athlete appropriately and then speak to us about that situation. I just mentioned there the Olympic team. Are you expecting an upscale of people applying for TUEs in the lead-up to the Olympic Games next year in Tokyo? We generally find that there is a, a small surge around the time of major competitions, generally more around the time of nationals in Australia. Uh, most of the athletes that need TUEs have them on an ongoing basis. So, And certainly at Olympic level, they really should they're already competing, so there's usually, unless there's a new condition that arises in the time leading into Tokyo, we wouldn't expect to see a major surge. Most of them will have already had their TUEs in place for some time. Do you ever go outside the committee to seek advice on particular drugs that might be used to apply to a medical condition? Do you seek independent advice? We cer- we certainly do, and and for every testosterone case, um, it, so the drug that you would uh, assume, rightly so, has significant performance-enhancing potential. Um, if we ever get an application for testosterone, we actually seek independent advice from a world expert who thankfully is Australian, uh, but also provides advice to WADA, so he's very well respected. And he's provided with de-identified information, so he never knows the name of the athlete uh, or the doctor. Uh, but is able to look at that scenario and decide whether um, that is a legitimate use and doesn't require and doesn't involve performance enhancement. And an example would be, and we we have a number of these cases where uh, someone has had uh, testicular cancer and they've had had to have um, both testicles removed, and there's no debate about that, and uh, that you need testosterone replacement to live a healthy life. So. Uh, they're the situations that that we find that uh, we need to approve testosterone, although we don't do it very often. Dr White, thanks very much for joining us on Onside today and thanks very much for your contribution 20 years so far on ASMAC. It's been great. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. And that was Dr Susan White, Chair of the Australian Sports Drug Medical Advisory Committee, ASMAC, which operates as the Australian Therapeutic Use Exemption Committee. Back with more with Onside in just a moment. This is Onside, the official podcast of ASADA. Welcome back to Onside. I'm Tim Gable. Time now for So I Was Wondering, where ASADA staff answer questions from the public. And today's question, is caffeine prohibited in sport? And to join us to answer that question, ASADA Science Officer, Dr Edwin Castillo. Well, Edwin, is caffeine prohibited in sport? Well, the short answer to your question is no. Caffeine is not prohibited in sport. These days, athletes um, would be allowed to enjoy their favorite cappuccino or espresso before competing. But uh, in saying that, um, caffeine was considered prohibited in sport in the past. 
Although uh, caffeine is no longer prohibited, uh, caffeine is uh, not completely in the clear at the moment because uh, it is still being monitored by the WADA in their monitoring program. So what you're saying then, Edwin, is that WADA is keeping a close eye on overuse, possible overuse of caffeine prior to a sporting event and, and during a sporting event. Well, just to clarify, WADA is keeping a watch on it. So every year WADA technically publishes a monitoring program to include substances uh, which are not on the prohibited list, but of interest to determine uh, or to detect patterns of misuse in sport. So, however, as you could imagine, monitoring caffeine levels is very, very complicated. So this is because uh, socially accepted substance uh, such as caffeine or coffee, you know, which is commonly found in foods or drinks. So the, fres- the presence of caffeine in an athlete's sample may not be necessarily uh, um, an indication that an athlete was trying to improve his or her performance. So even though caffeine is not prohibited in sport as such by WADA, what you're doing is having a look at it uh, to determine whether or not athletes are overusing it and the possible health effects of, of overuse. Well, that's right. So many studies support the idea that moderate caffeine intake can promote a variety of health benefits. Some individuals claim that caffeine improves their air, um, the airway function, as in, you know, they, it, it helps them to breathe better. Uh, in sport, for example, caffeine has been proven to increase athletic performance, especially in endurance athletes. I suppose that has something to do with improving their airway function. So, however, drinking too much caffeine can also lead to adverse effects, you know, such as anxiety, sleeping issues, digestive issues, high blood pressure. Yes, yeah, so you've got degrees. Uh, your undergraduate was in pharmacy. Uh, which you graduated from in Nicaragua, then you did a master's in applied science and then a PhD in in organic chemistry at the ANU. Uh, I guess, um, you know, can you apply what you've studied at various universities across the world, in particular pharmacy, can you apply it to your current role here as a science officer at ASADA? Absolutely. As a pharmacist, uh, we are trained in pharmacology, which is primarily concerned with the uses, effects, and mechanisms of actions of drugs. In my role at ASADA, I monitor athletes' biological markers to determine whether or not they have been affected by permitted or prohibited substances. In monitoring their biological markers, we can then infer whether or not an athlete has been doped. So effectively, what you do as a science officer is analyse uh, the biological makeup of people and you can then analyse by looking at various markers as you've described them, working out whether or not there's anything unusual. That's exactly right. So a typical day at the office, uh, for instance, um, I normally spend it analysing scientific data in relation to athletes' blood and steroidal uh, profiles, specifically for outliers from their normal physiology. So that's technically what I, what I do on a day-to-day basis. Edwin, thanks very much for joining us on Onside today. To answer that question, is caffeine prohibited in sport? And we were speaking today with the ASADA Science Officer, Dr Edwin Castillo. More with Onside in just a moment. Time now for a fast fact. Under the World Anti-Doping Code's strict liability principle, athletes are ultimately responsible for any substance found in their body, regardless of how it got there. 
You've been listening to Onside, the official podcast of the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority. Send in your podcast questions or suggestions to executiveoffice at asada.gov.au. For more information about clean, fair sport, visit our website, asada.gov.au, or check out our clean sport app.